This is Camp Hacker. Come find our show notes and our blog for camp directors and leaders at camphacker.tv. Hello, Camp Mavericks. Welcome to the Camp Hacker podcast. It is my pleasure today to speaking to be speaking with Deborah Gaboa, uh, who many of you know as Ask Dr. G. Debbie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Travis. I'm so excited. I'm a big I fan. Know, I'm- I'm pleased to have a a conversation that we can record since we have some fun conversations that don't make it on record. Uh, I want to uh, start up, we have a big topic today thinking about how camps will be partnering with parents, but I want to open us up with this more of an interview. I want to ask you a few questions about your camp story. How did you first start going to camp? I started going to day camp, I think flat out when I was two because yeah. my mom was working full time and my dad was yeah. working full time. And so that was what you did. And when we moved around a lot, which we did, I was in a different school in a different town from kindergarten through fourth grade and usually different states. And one of the things that was really reassuring for me, because since my mom was in education, we always moved at the end of the school year, yes. is that I could go to a day camp and I was at JCC, Jewish Community Center day camps in each one of those places. And there was enough similarity that it didn't feel entirely foreign and new and different. You know, some of the songs were the same, some of the schedule, the rhythm, Fridays being different because of our Jewish celebration of the Sabbath. Like there was enough that my six to 10 year old brain thought, okay, I recognize this. Yeah. That sense of finding my, my true north or like my, my through thread at camp started for me in day camp actually. And as soon as I heard that there was overnight camp, I kind of went to my parents with it. They, they didn't do what camps are smart enough to do now, which is take day campers to an overnight camp for a sleep out, but just mentioned it. And I was like, I'm sorry, say that again. One of the counselors, what is that? That's camp all the time with sleepovers. And so I went home and my parents had heard of it. And I was yes. sort of offended that they'd never mentioned it to me. <laughs> so I started going to overnight camp at the camp that was associated with the JCC in Chicago that was up in Wisconsin. And uh, summer before fifth grade. And for an only child who'd move around a ton to yeah. suddenly be sharing space with 11 other kids my age, that was a shocker. My first yeah. summer was, was hard. I did not like it. Right. How long were you at camp the first summer? I was there for four weeks and I got home and I told my parents in no uncertain terms what I had thought of it. And so my father, who I think had been more skeptical to send me away than my mom said, well, you're not doing that again. And I said, yes, I am. I I had something to prove to myself, to those kids. I had no idea to what, but I looked forward to it the whole year. I was going to approach it totally differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah that all of the kids would be the same. And one of the things that was great about that second summer is that even though almost all the kids and the counselors were the same, because I approached it differently, they approached me differently and I had a great time and I went back for six summers. Right. Right. You know, it's funny, your, your camp story is very similar to Beth's because Beth also moved around all the time when she was a kid and camp was the one, the one touch point. Um, And touch points is an interesting, um, uh, theme of yours. I like that you, you talk about camp as a touch point for lots of kids, but I've had that same experience. I was laughing to myself because um, 
it's funny when you think about um, camps passing traditions sort of sideways to each other. Laterally, yes. Yeah. And I think it's um, funny how camps end up in this weird parallel universe that's just off by the smallest degree where you go to another camp and you hear this song like, oh, I recognize this one. I can sing this. And it's just so little different that you're like, <laughs> I have no confidence in singing along yeah. right yet. Quietly, I'm humming. Yeah. But then also there's this really cool way that tradition spread, you know, so I do, I'm lucky enough to get invited to camps to do staff training. And yeah. sometimes because my kids are off school during that time, camp directors will let me bring my kids along. They'll invite my kids. Right. And so right. my kids have had this experience for like four or so different summers of going, even though they're incredibly loyal to their overnight yep. camp, as most kids are of getting mm -hmm. to go to camp and be the only campers at a camp somewhere very distant from where they go to camp in Wisconsin, which is, adjacent to, but not where I went to camp. And yeah. we had this moment in the Pacific Northwest and we were at Camp Norwester and it was raining and I had all of the staff in the dining hall for a full day of training. And my kids, as often happens, they're allowed to explore, but there are a lot of activities they can't do unsupervised. Of course, yeah. So they grabbed a tennis ball and started playing a game that they play at camp all the time called roof ball with yeah. a tennis ball off the dining hall roof. And they were shocked at a break, what a bunch of counselors said to them, what are you playing? And they're like, roof ball. And they said, we don't know it. Teach it to us. Yeah. So my kids taught 10 or 12 staff people roof ball. They're playing roof ball. And I, in a conversation that I had with that camp director a month and a half later, she said, I want you to know that roof ball was like wildfire popular at camp this summer. And they played it ever since. Yes. And so I feel like as a camp anthropologist, yes, studying yes. how traditions move tribes is really fascinating. It totally is. Yes, it'd be an amazing study. Also have thought that, um, and I talked to my stepdad about this, also thought that camps would be the ultimate public health study area just to watch <laughs> how, how Norwalk goes through a community or some other things. So I'm going to tell another quick story because every camp director will get this. I was yes. at a camp and I was in the health center and I won't name camps. And we yeah. had a, we had a counselor come in with his third sick kid of the day who was really miserable looking and sniffly and snuffly and coughing and feverish. And he, the counselor was bemoaning his fate of having his co on a day off and yes. all the kids were getting sick and like, why does this bad luck befall him? And he's sitting there keeping this kiddo comfortable as we try and give him a little bit of help to yeah. feel better. And we're just chatting. And this counselor is chatting about how they've been having such a great night the night before. His co had been on his day off since before dinner. And that their yeah. after dinner activity and cabin time, they'd gotten this huge bowl of pudding and they'd all shared it. Yeah. And I said to him, have you heard of germ theory? <laughs> and he said, well, everybody used their own spoon. <laughs> so I thought, we've got to dive a little deeper into sure. how illness is spread. <laughs> <laughs> we had, um, we had uh, our first, and really the worst summer of Norwalk, we had a couple minor cases, but one, one major Norwalk outbreak. And, um, and I realized that we weren't communicating with the staff very well. Just, you know, medical terms, norovirus, fecal oral route, all of that stuff. Until I had to gather them all in a circle and say, you need to understand how this really spreads. And Let's you need to understand when I say fecal oral route, what that means. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're all like, panic, ah! white face. Yes, we will bleach everything. We're totally willing to bleach everything. We'll work all harder to bleach more. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> please don't bleach the actual campers, but I understand yes. the inclination. <laughs> Up to that point. Yes. <laughs> Stop when you get to their sneakers. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's, oh, I know what it was. It's roofball, I was going to tell you, roofball is one of those, the, a thing that, that has grown on. I don't know where it came from, but um, I think every camp thinks they invented it themselves. I think a bored kid and a tennis ball. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, I have been to two camps now that have built special roofball roofs. Um, they basically created a roofball court um, by uh, you know creating, putting up a roof and and shingling it and, <laughs> and blocking the little area. Here's where we play roofball. That's pretty cool. Um, at our camp, it, it would be uh, the cooks would like that because they're always playing. The, it's always the kitchen roof that they're playing on, um, and yeah. so it. It not only is just the, the noise of the ball on the roof, but it's just the dust that's kicked up that goes into the kitchen through the windows as all these kids are playing roof ball for hours. I can see how that solved a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so you found, you found a home at camp, you found a, a, a touch point, um, and it, um, it, it gave you some... What did it give you? What did camp give you when you were a teen or young? young? Camp gave me first perspective, for yeah. sure. Um, you know, I, I was 10 when I got there the first time and I didn't have any experience of sharing attention, ideas, right. space, anything. And so it gave me perspective uh, to, nobody said this, but to stop centering myself quite so much yeah. and that that can be off-putting as an only child, but also a relief to not yeah. have the white hot intensity of the spotlight of everybody's love only on you. I was not only an only child, I was an only grandchild. Right. And so that perspective helped. And then it gave me confidence. It gave me mm. so much confidence. As a matter of fact, my camp counselor the summer before eighth grade and ninth grade, and then my unit head the summer before 10th grade was this um, woman named Sharon, who was probably only uh, five years older right? Yeah. Like most great yeah. camp counselors are. And she was able to make me feel important and at the same time teach me the skill that I singularly lacked, which was how to make other people feel valued. Yes. And that the discomfort that I was having a lot, you know, I had zero idea how to make friends. I could keep them mostly once I made them, but I spoke only to adults in my life. And so right. I spoke in these really long words. I was really well-read and really well-educated yeah. and socially fairly inept. And she was able to say to me in a way that made me feel better about myself, not worse, other people care about how you make them feel. Mm. Yeah. And if you think a little less about you and feeling awkward or uncomfortable and a little bit more about them, that's really going to make a difference. So she encouraged me to use stuff I was good at, which is my observational skills and my words yeah. and to make my observations about others and how they were doing and my words about others and what I admired about them or what I liked about them. And I think right. more than anything, I learned confidence by learning to express my admiration for others yeah. and my positive yeah. feelings about other people. Right. It's interesting. Um, switch moment for, um, teenagers when you start to realize how much you can affect others when you stop thinking how much people are affecting me mm -hmm. and think you know what effect I can have on, on others as well yeah. my parents didn't spoil me in any 
of the traditional monetary senses. I don't know if they would have, but we couldn't afford it. Yeah. And, but what they did, I think accidentally spoil me with was attention. And right. so being centered that way all that time left me just sort of cheerfully clue free about the mm -hmm. fact that everybody else was thinking about themselves as much as I was thinking about myself. Right. Shocker. Right. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so it, Sharon for you would be um, your person who first made you feel noticed and appreciated. Totally. I camp absolutely. And who found a way to be my friend and steer me away from her being my best friend at camp, which was my inclination. Yeah. Here's an adult who's paying attention to me that I understand how to talk to and I feel confident, comfortable around. So I'll just follow her around. And she found a way to make me feel good about myself and steer me towards my peers with her a step behind me instead of just always looking for her in the cabin or in the activity and going and being by her. I was definitely a teacher's pet kid. I was only comfortable around grownups. Yeah. And I'm really excited because tomorrow night I'm having dinner with her uh, in Wisconsin where she lives for the first time since I saw her my last summer at camp. What's, it's great to hear about that. I, it's one of the, I, one of the things I think is most powerful about camp is that opportunity to, to be noticed and appreciated by adults who aren't parents or teachers. Um, and even ones as you say that are only so only a few years older than you, they're just, they're, you know, there's sort of an achievable adulthood that you can look up to. And those near peer mentors, people who are between three and 10 years older than a young teen or a mid teen. We know that actually they have more positive effect on reducing risk taking behaviors in that population right. than yes. full on adults. Partially yeah. because I think like they're old enough that you'll take them seriously, but young enough to still be cool. Basically. Right, right. <laughs> yes. How incredibly cool my camp counselors were. Yeah. yeah. Um, was there, were there activities at camp that you like? Were your favorite things to do or was it? I, was a uh, I, I would, I, nobody would, no camp would ever let somebody do this now, but all morning and all afternoon, if you could sign up for things and they'd say, put your th top three choices. I just wrote water skiing for every single one. Yeah, And somehow they let me get away with that. I think probably because although it was not a huge camp, there were just enough kids that it would have been hard to track me down from when right. they had to hand those in at dinner and they were supposed to announce at breakfast what you were going to do. I think yeah. by the time they got to my unit every year, they were just thinking, we can't go wake this girl and see what else she wants to do. <laughs> <laughs> I water skied all the time. And I liked water skiing because it was a great blend for the kid I was of reading on shore and then doing something risky and adventurous and exciting for a brief period of time by myself and then going yeah. back to reading on the shore. <laughs> Did you have a favorite book that you read at, at camp? I used to bring piles of books to camp. Legitimately right. half my duffel would be books. And the big mistake I made in reading was the summer I was into Stephen King. Right. That was also the summer that our age group transitioned from 12 kids in a cabin to four kids in a tent. Yes. And I did a lot of reading with my flashlight under the covers after we were supposed to be asleep. And with that particular, and I don't know why I didn't just give up on these books and read something yeah. else. I was stubborn and terrified. I slept very little that summer. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so, uh, so you did, you were a camp counselor as well at the yeah. same camp? No, actually I, um, dated somebody and he took me to his overnight camp to be a camp counselor. And I was a camp counselor for 
also six summers. Uh, I was the unit head for some of that. I was the head of girls half for one summer. And being a camp counselor is, I can say to this day, my favorite job that I've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. There's been some um, interesting discussion around um, staff mental health. And I'll tie this in, I promise. Um, the, uh, that feeling of um, someone respecting you and giving you a ton of responsibility, I always found really hard in September, like the switching that off and going back to just being a student um, and, and losing it, it from this job where you felt capable and, um, and important. And you're like, you're really contributing to, to switching that off in September. It, I've had some interesting discussions with camp directors lately about how hard that is for staff and how much we're, we need to do better at serving them for that. I think that's a really important point. And it makes me realize I actually started being a camp counselor when I, as an overnight camp, when I was 21, I just graduated from oh, yeah. college. Yeah. So during college, I, I had to earn more money than that right, right. <laughs> um, during my summers. And so I had the experience of running an after school program during the school year at a community center that also has camps and they gave me tons of responsibility. And I think you're absolutely right that one of the things that we need to do, I think that the ACA has worked really hard to show counselors and therefore administrators how to turn the skills they learn at camp into a CV that makes sense to non-camp people. Yeah. But it's but you bring up a really important point. It's more it's even more important than being able to name the leadership, staff development skills that you learned for a future job application. I would really like to be involved in helping camp counselors advocate for themselves in really respectful ways and show the adults in their lives who are not at camp just yeah. what they're capable of that they honed at camp. Right, right. Which of those camp, camp skills have you felt have impacted your life going forward as an adult, as a doctor, as, um, as a parent advocate? What do those have carried through? Uh, the... The most direct day-to-day -day advantage that I have in my life for having been an overnight camp counselor is my parenting. Yeah. First of all, yeah. my kids want to each have a sleepover. You can't scare yeah. me. Eight kids right. on a Saturday morning just does not feel, it feels like a light day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Managing them, dealing with bedtime, answering questions about, can we turn the basement into an indoor gaga pit? Uh, managing conflict and also feeding all of them and getting all of them to help set the table and clean up and take out the garbage, giving my kids yep, friends chores without batting an eye. All those yep. things have made my life much, much easier. And because I have four boys in six years, it often feels a little like camp around here, even when it's just us. I yeah. feel very much like trip day whenever I yeah. take my kids to go do something out in the community. Yes. But in the bigger picture, as a physician, what I've learned most is to ask the same question in lots of different ways. Right. As a frontline camp counselor, you often know what you're trying to get a camper to get to, uh, to be vulnerable enough to tell you why they got into the argument with that other kid in the first place, or you can see that they're physically uncomfortable and that it must be something private because they're not willing to own it, but they're also super distracted and squirmy in their pants yeah. or whatever it is. And just saying with some kids, just saying, pulling them aside and saying, Hey, I see that you're uncomfortable. You tell me about that works really well. But with some kids, you have to be really creative, vulnerable, funny, 
surprising, whatever it is. Yeah. Camp taught me to keep coming to a problem or an obstacle with lots of different ideas and that I'm more willing to try something wacky. Yeah. Creative perseverance, really. Yeah. And yeah. then I think the other thing that influences my whole life is that camp has made me more willing to listen to other people's strategies and try them, even if I can't see how they would work. Because so many times at camp, as a camper and as a counselor, I've seen that I thought I knew exactly what to do, but it wasn't my turn to solve the problem. Yeah. And so somebody else had an idea that is not at all how I would have handled it. And it goes great. Yeah. 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 Letting go of problems is a, an interesting skill that you learn at camp. It's like, well, yeah. just can't take on this one today. And it's not my basic inclination. I would like to nope. be in charge of everything always. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Problem solving is one of the things that gives me energy. Yeah. Yes. But when you have to say, I can't do this one today, it's an interesting life skill too. So we have, and you've certainly had, and, and having the pleasure of getting to hear you talk about parenting and, and watch your parent in person, you have such a funny humor about the way you deal with your kids. It's so camp counselory. I get what you're saying about that's transferred through. Um, and, uh, and it's really fun to watch. Um, I think there are lots of things that camps do that, are, that, that give them skills that transfer um, from the camp life that, the things that they could teach parents in some small ways. Um, what are some of the things that, that you think camp directors should be thinking about in our relationship with parents that maybe we're not considering yet? I see parents being really brave and sending their kids to camp. As we talk more and more about the tendency for parents to protect their kids, I, I got asked recently on TV to talk about picky eaters. And I said, you know what? One of the things I think helps the most is when we acknowledge that our pickiest eaters are actually our most brave eaters. And by that, I mean, you know, Travis, you and I have eaten together. You and I are not brave eaters because we like almost all food. Yeah. So trying something new doesn't take a lot of courage for us. Right. And for a kid who has had the experience that most of the things they try is not the right texture or taste or temperature or whatever, every time they try something new, they're being really courageous. And so referring to those kids as brave eaters, just because they're eating at all or ever try something right. new can really yeah. change how they see themselves. And one of the things that I'm toying with right now is how to change the conversation we have about anxious parents and talk about how brave they are. Because if right. these parents really are as worried as we see, seem to see they are from their behavior and their language, and yeah. yet they're still sending their kids into our care at overnight camp, they're incredibly right. brave. It's not really brave for me to send my kids to overnight camp. It's fun. It's exciting. Yeah. It's satisfying. But I know that they're going to do great. I don't worry. For a parent who does worry and sends them anyway, kudos to them. Big kudos. And so yeah. Yeah. as camp directors and camp, the camp world, we're so good at helping kids be the best version of themselves and accepting kids where they are and getting them just to work at the leading edge of their ability, whether that's in conflict resolution or trying new things or sweeping or swimming. Yeah. Yes. We're, we're great at those two things. And parents are looking for those skills. Parents in general really want to be good at getting the best version of themselves out of our kids and keeping them working at the leading edge of their ability in lots of different ways. 
I saw this big need because parents are sending their kids to camp at about the same or better numbers than they were 10 years ago and 20 years ago, but yep. they're not enjoying it as much or utilizing it as well. In my opinion, the parents mm -hmm. aren't. Yeah. And by that, I mean, they're sending them away, but the parents aren't enjoying that change in dynamic at home, having a different right. number of kids or a little time to regroup or clean the basement or go on a vacation or whatever they want to do. Yeah. And when they get their kids back, they're checking in to make sure it was okay, but they're not understanding how to draw those new skills, getting to know new people, trying new stuff, yeah. figuring out how to manage themselves, figuring out how to sweep or how to swim. They're not yeah, great okay. at drawing those skills through the year. And right. I know that camp directors want a relationship with families for years. Yes. And our society looks at camp as just another product, maybe not even service, but product to choose and buy for our kids. Right. That's not where camps want to be. We're not a product. No. We're relationships. We're opportunity. I really would like camp directors to use the fact that they have all these skills that they could teach parents. And at the same time in doing that, strengthen that relationship so that parents can see their relationship with us the way we see our relationship with parents, which is lifelong. Yeah. Yeah. So how do camps bridge that? I think that because um, for a lot of parents, not maybe most, but not all of parents, the, the relationship is transactional. Um, how do parents, no, how do camps bridge that? How do they become, um, how do they earn the trust of parents beyond the, you know, the exchange of, of kids for money? Um, and how do they, how do they get in front of parents and say, we want to be more involved in these kids. We love them and we respect them and we care for them. So I think there are two main ways that I see. One is by, and I don't mean to add to anybody's to-do list. There are some ways to do this that don't make you feel like, oh my gosh, more things I have to do. But yes. I want you to offer resources to parents that solve parents' problems that aren't directly related to camp intermittently yes. throughout the year that are free, right? If you've right. ever been a part of our mailing list for any reason, then, um, and if you can segment out your mailing list, and this is something, Travis, you're expert at helping camps do, but if you can segment out your mailing list to be able to, for example, to just email people who you know now should have a kiddo in high school or college, then yep. you just send them an article that you saw about supporting your kids through finals. Has nothing to do with camp. We just know this is a pain point for you guys. It's something your kids are facing. And we saw this great resource that we trust and thought you might enjoy it. That's all, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and from a marketing standpoint, you and I both know it helps to keep seeing that brand yeah. and that most of the time it should be that brand not wanting anything from you, just offering something. Also, some of those kids are going to apply to be your camp counselors. So you do want them to get through finals without being burnt out. <laughs> so there's advantage, there's secondary gain to the camp for doing this, but I really want camps to look for easy, quick ways to share with their camp family all year long resources. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I want camps to do is to acknowledge times that camp itself causes some parenting struggles yes and then offer resources to help solve that yep yep yeah it there's definitely i, I often talk about how camp is hard for families not just 
we we probably don't enough or certainly staff don't think enough about how um, expensive camp can be and the sacrifices parents make to, to send their kids to camp. But there's also just the process is complicated. We ask for so much information and we ask for it on certain days and um, we just don't understand timelines and, and things are going on in family. So yeah, I'm with you. There's a lot of ways to be more sensitive to that and therefore show up as um, an organization that truly understands a family. And actually you could do it with humor. I was actually just thinking because I have four emails sitting in my email inbox right now, reminding me that my kids camp forms are due May 7th. Yes. And yes. I make my kids do most of their own forms um, for a right. bunch of different reasons, uh, not yep. least, which is that is right on brand for me. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But, but I would love it if my camp sent out that email that says, okay, camp forms are due May 7th and Forms one, three, seven, eight, and nine, your kids, if they're going into grade five or higher, ought to be able to do all by themselves. So yes. print those out while you're at work this week and give them to those, give, give those forms to them Saturday morning and tell them they have to be done by Sunday night. And yep. then you only have to do form three, four, six, and sign the end of page 11 or whatever right. it is. Like, like say, we know this is a big pain in the butt, but you don't have to do this. Just like we make your kids sweep the cabin, you can make your kids do their own forms. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I also want to say to your first point, um, we have a, a little informal collective of camp directors who are collecting good ideas to share with parents. The, as you say, just good resources for parents. Um, and so if people check out the show notes at camppacker.tv slash podcast um, and search for Ask Dr. G, you will see um, a way to get in on on that discussion. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. The only thing it costs is a con contributing one article that would be useful to share with parents. And then we open up the whole thing to everybody who contributes. So I invite you to do that. Um, Debbie, you'll be pleased to know that there are probably a dozen Ask Dr. G contributions that didn't even come from me, uh, <laughs> that came from others. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And you know, and I do, I, I welcome people to look at my YouTube channel because I have oh. 150 one or two minute videos there that are make an easy plug into a newsletter if you're doing a newsletter. But yep. another thing that I think would be great is if you want to just share some stuff that's answering parents' questions. If you hear about a new app, yeah. or, you know, like recently kids have been talking about HQ, this game, this yep. online game show. And you think, boy, I learned a little bit about this or I don't know what that is. If you go to look and you find a source that you trust, share that on your social media. Right. Anybody who happens to be on your Facebook page, if you just share with parents, hey, so here's a new thing. If you're wondering about it, I saw this. And it can also be recipes or a, a funny, family-friendly comedian that you saw yeah. or a movie that you recommend. If it's a snow day and they're looking for something to do and you saw how to put food coloring in water and spray bottles and let kids go out and graffiti your lawn, there's all kinds of ways to show camp families you're thinking of them. Yes. And what their lives are like when they're not signing up for your camp and their kid isn't in your care. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you've been working on some stuff that, um, that camps can share with their families that is done for them. Um, what sort of stuff have you been thinking about that, that camps can, um, can offer back to parents that's really practical? The, what I've been working on most recently is something that I'm calling a digital bundle. And that's a bundle of resources. And because just like kids, adults learn in different ways, every bundle has 
at least one video, at least one audio file like this, and a couple of mobile-friendly articles and some things you can print out, stick on your bulletin board or your fridge or your desk. What I'm trying to do is do the legwork for camps about what are the pain points for a parent who's sending one bundle is sending a new camper to sleepaway camp. And that's specific yeah. to a family where this kid has never gone to your overnight camp before. And some of those things are really tailored to the camps that I'm working with, like an interview with that camp director asking specific questions about what they're doing. But some of them are more general. How do you write a great letter and how often should you write? And where's some content you can include? Because as a mom who writes to four kids fairly often throughout the summer, I can tell you, my letters can get awfully repetitive after day three. <laughs> I got some advice from kids about what they do want in those letters and what they don't yeah. want in those letters. And that advice may not be exactly the same for every kid, but there are some great generalizable points. I always like hearing from kids themselves about what it's like yeah, and what, what they're looking for. So I put together this bundle and it's pretty extensive. Actually, there's 13 different resources for new camper families and I have a smaller bundle for overnight camp families for how to get your kid home. And this isn't specific to new campers. This is for everybody because yeah. I have the opportunity to go around and speak to parents all over North America and parents keep telling me, well, my kid can't do that. They can't learn to be uncomfortable. They can't sweep the floor. They can't try something new. They can't be responsible for themselves or for someone else. And even when I say, Hey, raise your hand if your kid's ever been to overnight camp. And a lot of the audience says yes. And I interrogate them. I say, has your kid done some of these things at camp? Their answer is, well, sure, at camp, but they couldn't possibly do that at home. Right. I cringe because that means what we are doing is changing kids for the better too temporarily. Right. We are not giving That's their parents true. the skills they need to keep asking that of these kids who've proven, like we have proof of concept. We know the kids can keep a cabin clean with some supervision and that they can do the work that goes into that. And then they go home and they, they don't have to. And right. my kids don't do more than they're asked. Right. Most kids don't. And yeah. so saying to parents, here's what you could ask reasonably. And here's some ideas for keeping that going even when they're resistant. That's not so hard. So in this bundle for getting campers home, I try to address four different pain points for parents. One is, how do you get kids to tell you their good stories? Like, how do you really find out what happened at camp? Yes. Um, and with kids of all kinds of different personality types and different ages, I talk about what exactly as a parent you should expect coming home from camp. And I talk about memories and songs and all that great stuff. But I also talk about the sniffles and the scratches and the sand or the dirt and the sadness the kids often bring home because they too are surprised by how much they miss those people in that place and how much they loved it and reframe for parents that that means parent of the year. If you sent yeah. your kids somewhere and allowed them to go and sacrifice to give them that opportunity and they come home sad to leave it, you did it, man. You won. Yeah. I have a resource that I'm most proud of in there that explains how to use the six major skills your kid definitely learned at overnight camp throughout the school year and encouraging parents to contact camp and say, what else did you teach my kid? What else should I not be doing for them anymore? Because they absolutely could do it themselves. And that those six skills are not all chores. Chores is just one right. of the areas I talked about. Yeah. What other, what would be some other ones that you highlight in those six skills? 
So I talk about chores, but I also talk about trying something new because throughout this next school year, you'll want your kid to try something new or to meet someone new. And we fear change. Change is hard. So reminding, because you've figured out how to get their stories out of them, reminding them of the stories they told you about trying something new and a third skill, managing their own discomfort, asking them, getting them to tell you the story. So now you know what they learned about when they are uncomfortable, how they handled it. What was good about that? What was bad? What worked to make them manage it better? What didn't work? That will guide you a little bit. Also, tech-free communication. Even if the camp isn't totally tech-free, every camper develops their in-real-life interpersonal skills. And we should require them to keep those up. Right. And we can. And talking about how to do that. Yes. Yeah, and so many great practical examples of that interpersonal communication that happen at camp, whether it's engaging your peers in conversation or speaking to an adult, that those things that, that you want them just for their own self-advocacy, but even just sort of growing up in the world, you want them to be able to speak to adults who aren't um, super familiar to them or talk to their peers. Yeah. So I, I was really excited because as a part of this, it's given me a chance to talk to, you know, I thought actually that I was creating these bundles and I would just let parents know about them in my community so that anybody who was sending a kid to camp could buy this from yeah. me if they wanted. And then yeah. I was at a camp conference and had some camp directors say, oh, please don't do that. Please let us prove to families that we really mean it when we say we want to help you enjoy the best version of your kid. Let us offer it to parents. Yes. So some camps have partnered with me and branded it from their camp and we've worded it all from their camp and they've said hey we're partnering with this parenting person and we have some resources for you that you can access on mobile whenever you want nothing really takes longer than about six minutes so each each resource and it's it all drops like one season on netflix i created a bundle also at request for day camp families and that's an opportunity for day camp parents to get the good stories at the end of the day, but also have mornings go more easily. We created a bunch of resources because camp does such a good job with kids. I want parents to get those same benefits. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So how can, how can camps find these resources and, and speak to you about them or, or buy them directly from you? Uh, if, if there, if anybody's listening who's interested in this still for this coming summer, I hope that you'll just shoot me an email. The easiest way to contact me is contact at askdrg.com. The only thing that's complicated about that is that you have to spell out the word doctor. Okay. Yes. Um, great. So they can speak to you about the bundles there. Well, Dr. G, I'm, I'm, such a pleasure to have another conversation with you. It's, uh, it's great. I love hearing um, your perspective on things and how thoughtful and wise you are about how camps can communicate better with families and, and be part of, of a, an ongoing relationship with them. So thank you so much for being here. I'm really grateful. I'm grateful too, because I think what you said about so many parents seeing this as a transactional relationship is unfortunately true, but the great news is parents are searching for community. Community is not as obvious to parents to find. And so if camps can just make it clear that because we've ever known your kid, we're interested in how you're doing and that that's, that's the main opportunity that we want from families, they will be pretty easy to convince that you're a safe place for them to land and to have questions. 
Well, thank you very much for being here. It, uh, as I say, it's a pleasure. And uh, mine too. Thanks. No problem. And for all of you listening, uh, if you want the links to this, um, Dr. G said that the, how you can get in touch with her by email. But if you didn't get to write that down while you were driving, please don't stop to write stuff down. Please don't write that down while you're driving. Uh, go to camphacker.tv slash podcast um, or camphacker.tv slash Dr. G and you will find the link to this discussion where you can get um, the few things that we've mentioned and a direct link to uh, her digital bundles. Thanks for the evening, friends. The Camp Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for listening. Bye.